Hi everyone, this is your Hand and Roar creator and host Andy Bard here. Just a quick word before this episode starts to let you know that I'm hosting another sports quiz at Walkabout this time on Monday the 4th of September. This will be the third one. They're going well so far. Some of you have even come along to give it a go, which is great. Really appreciate that. So if you're in Glasgow or its surrounding areas and fancy coming along to this next one um, on Monday the 4th, just send me a DM on Twitter. I can sort you out a table or you can just chance it on the evening as well it starts at half seven sharp they will be on the first Monday of every month now going forward at Walkabout which is good news so yeah if anyone fancies coming along please don't hesitate to get involved and well I've got you with the national team doing really well at the moment I'm noticing an increase in listener numbers which is great so thanks very much to you all for sticking with the pod myself and the contributors will keep producing key Scotland conversations around the games and our squad at critical moments so if you're enjoying the podcast I'd be very very grateful for any nice reviews you could leave on Apple, Spotify or whatever you're listening from thanks very much and enjoy the episode when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Quick fire and drags it down now. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Here comes up, Jack! Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. It's been a little while since we've got together to talk about the national team. To be fair, there haven't been any games for the last couple of months, but they're approaching now. And with the season underway and the transfer window still open, it makes sense to have a look at what's been happening with the members of Steve Clark's squad or the guys on the periphery. Uh, who needs to move? Who has moved and where have they gone? Or who has stayed put and has an exciting season to come? There's loads to talk about. There, there actually haven't been too many exciting moves, but there's certainly still a lot of excitement about the guys ahead of the season. We have Cyprus and England in a couple of weeks now, and then on to the rest of the campaign after that. So I am your host, Andy Barge, as usual, joined by Alan Risk from the Air Force One Twitter page and Gordon Sheik from the Tartan Scarf. Fellas, thanks very much for coming on. Now, we normally go through when we're doing a squad preview anyway we go through it in chronological order or is that the right word chronological from back to front anyway um, from goalkeepers defence midfield to attack even now there's still a lot to talk about with the goalies two of them anyway um, but let's go the other way because I think one of the main talking points over the last couple of days has been one of Scotland's strikers Shea Adams now he is playing with Southampton in English Championship currently he started the season well, Gordon. He scored three goals in three games. Southampton are unbeaten, but he's being linked quite heavily with Everton. Now, there's arguments for both, I would say. He will probably or almost definitely score more goals in the English Championship. Is it better to be playing in the English Premier League but scoring less? Or should he, or 
for the sake, would it be better for Scotland if he stayed put at Southampton this season? What do you reckon, Gordon? Yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting one to look at. Um, Shea Adams, you know, we've seen ever since he came in the Scotland squad, and you know, as we've sort of followed his career a bit more closely down south, that he he can be a bit of a streaky striker. He his goals tend to come in in clumps, uh, which points to him being a bit of a confidence finisher. Obviously, as you said, right now he's certainly got that confidence with three three and three in the championship. So. From a purely selfish Scotland perspective, I would be more than happy to see him continue. I mean, obviously, you know, we are, as a squad, we have a lot of English Premier League players, a lot of top flight players in our team, which is great to see. But certainly playing in the English Championship is not an impediment to being called up to the Scotland national team. So I staying at Southampton certainly won't do his chances of getting called up any any harm. And if he's coming up with a plenty of goals in his pocket, I think that for him especially would probably help him for Scotland. Um and you know Everton, I just I don't I don't love the move, I'm not gonna lie. I mean look, Everton is a great club, great fan base. They've got a fantastic new stadium they'll be in next summer. Um lots of Scots have played there, Duncan Ferguson, um Stephen Naismith more recently. But they are in a bit of a sorry state right now. Um I watched the game last weekend when they, they played Aston Villa and it was it was bad. Like it wasn't good. And you think in that Shea Adams going into that team in that system in that place that they're in right now, he'll struggle. Uh, because I think I think any any player would struggle going into that squad right now. So I don't know if that helps us get the best out of him for Scotland. If I'm being honest, Alan Adams got one goal in ten games for Scotland. Granted, he missed the last or has missed some games with an injury over the last little while. But bearing in mind that goal return for us, do you agree with Gordon then that it might make more sense for him to come into Scotland camps with some wind in his sails rather than having a repeat of last season where he was pretty much starved of service at Southampton bar Ward-Prowse and only managed five goals all season. And I think they came across four games. I'm sure he scored one double, um, which is not a great ratio uh, and albeit a very tough league. Where do you stand on this? I com- I completely agree um, with what's been said. I think it's confidence is key for a striker, and in terms of, it's always great to have players playing at the top level. Uh, we want them playing and scoring goals at the top level. We're, we're lucky to have so many Scotland players in the Premier League up against top opposition. But up top, our best striker in the last couple of years, London Dykes, is, is he's not even scoring in the Championship, and he's and that, that, that's a comfortable level for him to come into camp and perform for us. Um, Shea Adams has only played this season uh, 144 minutes and he's got three goals. Um, so if, long may it continue. Um, I think the championship for our strikers is a good place for them to be. And there's four or five other guys in amongst that as well um, sort of competing for it. So um, yeah, no, I'll stick there. I mean, you see what's happened to Neil Maupai. He went from Brighton um, and he's not scored in about seven games at Everton. Um, so it's not even, you can't go to Everton and he's not going to get 15 chances a game to score goals. They're getting two shots on goal a game. He's going to be starved there. Um, so while he's getting the service and a good Southampton team for championship level, um, yeah, I think he's he's much better there. Moments well, we had on this, Tom Edgar, Edgar actually kind of made a similar point. He said Dykes has the Scotland number nine jersey at the moment as far as he's concerned. Um, only a remarkable Adam sc- scoring spree at club level would change that and that's probably only going to come at Southampton I, I can't see him going on a run of four or five 
six and, and an equivalent amount of games in the Premier League, whether he moves to Everton or another team. Uh, Josh Henderson says, don't think Sean Dyche plays a particularly good brand of football and don't see Everton having a good season. So this would be a poor move for him. That's a bit more aligned with what you're saying, Gordon. Um, but Fergus B, uh, Fergus B. Chief says it would be a good move for him to keep playing at a higher level and fewer games in the Premier League might also be helpful in avoiding injury for Scotland. So I suppose that's a fair point as well, considering he has missed a few camps recently, she admins, which has led to Lyndon Dykes uh, ultimately becoming, at the moment, I think the first choice striker in most people's eyes after his performances in these uh, these games uh, in the games in this camp so far. Um, so another striker in not really the well. I suppose he's constantly in the limelight in Scotland because of his form, but it's not really making headlines. It's just rumours, really. Is Lauren Shankland Allen? He started the season in a similar fashion to Shea Adams. He has four and five. He's scored an important goals for Hearts in Europe and in the league. He's 28. This is probably it for Shankland if, if he's going to to go and play at a level which I think most of us think he probably could. I think we've seen him add more to his game at an all-round level over the last 12 to 18 months, especially since he came to Hearts. He's He's got a handful of caps. I think it's just five caps. So if he wants to go and kick on and have a Scotland career, maybe get to 25, would you imagine that now is the time to strike with the irons hot for Shankland and his agent, whether it's a club down south, whether it's Saudi. I mean, there's there's chat that it's one of the Saudi teams that's interested in taking taking Shankland. So, where do you think um, would be most beneficial for him and for for us as Scotland fans? For us, for us as Scotland fans, uh, it's a it's a difficult one because I mean, he's playing he's playing for Hearts, obviously, albeit they're in Europe, um, and he's he's playing well. He's got uh, four and five. Um, Recently, um, so he's he's scoring goals. His confidence is high. His roles changed slightly. Um, he's he's the sort of the main man now. I think he he had Janelli alongside him last season um, with that pace, and it kind of took the the pressure off, and he could get and position himself well and get plenty of goals. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep up the scoring form, albeit he's hit the ground running this season so far. I think you're right though. With his age, he has had a a go abroad at Beershot, um, so he's at least got a taste of what it's like. To move abroad and, and play in a sort of competitive league, obviously the Beershot I think got relegated that season. Um, ended up with five goals, um, so not a great return. But he's at least sampled it. Um, so I don't know what his family life is like. Um, on a purely sporting point of view, if he can go to any other league and score goals, it's only going to better his chances. Um, he's on. He's he's that he's at Hearts. He's doing as well as he probably will keep doing. He's not going to get much better at this age. So his chances aren't going to get better, uh, and we've we've only got other strikers coming through. Um, so yeah, I think if I, personally, I think he should just he stay, stay put, keep scoring goals. Um, but obviously, yeah, the, the money Saudi's given, you, you couldn't turn that down if you're Shankland. Is it is it's not by any means a crossroads here for Shankland Gordon because he's on great form, he's doing well, and he's he's loved by the Hearts fans. But do you think that? Maybe now in his late twenties, and with regards to his family situation, I know he's got a young kid and a long-term girlfriend. But do you think that maybe he must be aware that this form is going to lead to speculation or interest, and then naturally, what comes off the back of that, if it is a good English Championship team, maybe or Saudi, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, like every 
every club in the world needs players that score goals. They need strikers. They need players that score goals to win games. So uh, the value of a striker is always going to be very tightly wound up with how many goals he scores. And Shanklin's been on at a cracking season at Hearts last season, um, started this season in the same vein. So uh, yeah, there, there will obviously be admiring glances being cast his way. But I think, you know, obviously last season was only his, was his first at Hearts. And I think he can get better and better at Hearts. Obviously they've, They've got they've got through in Europe. They've got a very tough very tough ask in the next round. But you know if they can if they can get through that and get European football through to Christmas at least, then that's huge for him as a player for his development. You know the opportunity to play against really good players across Europe. I mean, I think what's unfortunate for Shangland is that right now he's basically always going to be at least third choice striker for Scotland. You know you don't see it's hard to imagine a situation where he is he's starting if Dykes and Adams are fit and in the squad. So he's in a bit of a difficult situation with the national team, but all he can do is just keep impressing and keep doing what he's doing and keep scoring goals because there will likely come a time when, you know, we're we're not getting through in a game if that's going to be Cyprus away, perhaps. And we need a guy to come off the bench and need to score a goal. So we want a guy that's red hot and ready to ready to get that goal and win win a game for us. So that could be him. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be, again, I'd be happy to see him stay. The, the, the fair point. Let's let's say that in October, uh, Lyndon Dykes is injured, and Adams has moved to Everton. Okay, total hypotheticals here, but say Adams has moved to Everton. He scored once by October. Shankland has scored ten by October, and Dykes is injured. Are you putting in the striker as we discussed with uh, Shea Adams if he was in a championship form? There, do you put in the striker that's coming in? having scored three goals in the previous two weeks or do you bring in the striker who's I think recognisably a playing well definitely playing at a higher level and probably a better player um, in the team ahead of Shankland based on that fact rather than it, despite the fact that they might not be coming in with such confidence or gusto to the squad I mean I think naturally obviously that that would depend on what what's happened in the group you know obviously we we we've spoken at length about the fact that we could qualify for Euro 2024 in the next camp in September and if that happens then I think there's going to be chances for any number of players you know we still have a, another friendly against France to come before the end of the year and then we've got remaining our remaining qualifiers that would be effectively dead rubbers because we'd already qualified automatically so I think there, there will there could well be plenty of opportunities for guys to come in, but yeah, I don't know. As 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 ever with Steve Clark, it'll always depend on what what the need of the game is in any in, in any particular situation. Touching on the other attackers in the squad, we have Ryan Christie, who has started the season in the eleven at Bournemouth. He's impressing under the new manager uh, Andoni Ariola, who came from Rio Vallecano in the summer. Uh, so hopefully a good season ahead for Christie, who somehow again is is now twenty eight years old it is it's looking through the team actually I remember maybe 18 months or so ago Gordon we were looking ahead and kind of seeing that there, these guys had a few more years left before they would hit what most would perceive to be their peak well they're, they're kind of now hitting it I mean Andy Robertson will come to him later is 30 next year what the fuck um, yeah. <laughs> it's just like crazy stuff um, how, how time has just seemed to be passing for these guys Um Dykes, uh, only 27, but he was linked with Rangers and Millwall quite a lot over the summer, but he signed a new deal 
uh, with QPR until 2026. He's injured at the moment, but their manager, Gareth Ainsworth, who says it's not as bad as we first feared. He did miss the game against Ipswich at the weekend, but with Gareth Ainsworth saying it's not as bad as first feared, hopefully Dykes will then be able to come back this week um, or next and be in the squad for the Cyprus game. Uh, Kevin Nisbet, there's not really too much to talk about with Nisbet at the moment. He, he went down to Millwall in the summer. It's been a tough start for him. Millwall aren't, haven't really done um, themselves much justice with the start they've had to the season. He hasn't scored yet. Uh, we'll keep an eye on Nisbet as the season goes on. Jacob Brown has gone to the Premier League. The lesser seen Jacob Brown, guys, he's gone to Luton Town. So that's another Premier League player in the squad, which I, I think is uh, exciting to see how he will do. He hasn't really had the chance yet to impress. He, did, he got 20 minutes against Brighton on the opening day. Um, I'm sure he'll get more opportunities throughout the season. And um, For Scotland, just a reminder, he's got six caps for us, but that's a total of 66 minutes on the park and no starts. So very much on the periphery. And I don't think was in the squad for the games in June against Norway and Georgia or maybe the one before that. Um, but yeah, he, he wasn't in one of the squads recently. So very much a fringe player. Uh Elliot Anderson at Newcastle uh, still really unaware of what his plans are, so not really too much point delving further into that. But what about his teammate Ryan Fraser? Gordon stripped of squad number. It's not looking good for Ryan Fraser and Newcastle as a pair. So what next and where does it leave his international hopes? Yeah, really, really hard to know. It's, it's a situation that just seemed to get Worse and worse and worse for him at Newcastle, you know, as he's been getting further out of the picture. Uh, clear, clear to everyone, his career at Newcastle United is over. Um, I don't know how much longer he's got on his contract. Um, you never know; it may turn into a situation where he ends up sort of sitting on his contract for a bit. I presume he's on a pretty decent, pretty decent wage at Newcastle, so that may that may become a factor. Um, but you would like to think you would like to think he's he's, he's looking for a way out of that club this summer. Um, there was two years. I've just checked. He's got two years. Two years to go. Well, yeah, that's a difficult place to be for. Um, yeah, I mean, there were there were there were certainly there were persistent rumours of him linking it with Celtic for a wee bit, but those seem to have quietened down recently. Um, again, you know, hard hard to <laughs> hard to believe that he actually played for Scotland in that friendly against Turkey at the end of last year, only November last year. He, he was he set he set up Dykes' headers against Ukraine. Yeah. I know exactly. Yeah, came came off the bench and provided two assists in that Nations League game against Ukraine. So yeah, wild. Um, and again, another guy. He's only twenty nine years old. So yeah, I think he just he really needs a new club, needs a fresh start, and we'll see we'll see what happens then. He's obviously not going to be the Scotland squad for this camp, but if he gets a new team, perhaps by October he could be back in back in the mix. Yeah, Alan Celtic were linked with him uh, for a few days there. Uh, as are Leeds United now, which would be, I think, a decent move to a team that might challenge for the English Championship title. Also, upon finding his name into Google, Empoli of Serie A are allegedly having a wee look at Ryan Fraser. So um, do you think the the ship has sailed and that we're moving on without Ryan Fraser, without the need for Ryan Fraser, Alan, or would you welcome him back if he can find a wee bit of form? Do, Do you think there's still very much a space for him in a Scotland squad. Not not on um, any grounds other than the fact that we're doing well without him. Yeah, I was going to say, not on any grounds except that he can put a pinpoint cross into Dykes' <laughs> head. I think, uh, I think we, the undertone of that question was, um, no, because Doak will be in the squad. 
So I think <laughs> your need for a direct right winger is now filled. Um, this, as soon as Doak's in that squad, um, I don't imagine he'll leave it again, uh, barring injury. Uh, and I, I, I think in terms of where he plays, yeah, there's there's no need there for Ryan Fraser. I mean, I think Ryan Fraser in the past has been used at right wing back. We've shown we've now got ample um, sort of backups there. Um, and yeah, that direct right winger, um, very like Gordon's been mentioned over the last couple of weeks. Uh, if that if Doak does come in, does indeed come in, um, we shouldn't need him. So I think the ship is sailed. I think for his football and just his well being. And just injuries, if he goes to Empoli and performs well in Serie A, he's playing alongside Henderson there. Um, he joins a list of Scots abroad. Uh, it's it's great. Um, if he goes to Leeds, again, it's good, but he'll probably just end up another one of the ex-internationals in the, the championship. That's my take. Well, uh, okay, let's let's go to to Ben Doak then. You brought him up, Alan. I, th- I think uh, we could in the in the tweet where we we put this podcast out, we could probably put a timestamp of when we come to Ben Doak. I think that's really where um, most people are, most people are at at the moment. Um, so he played 15 minutes in the opening day against Chelsea. Um, great to see him come off the bench in the Premier League. A really important game. Liverpool's involvement in the Europa League this season might afford him a bit of. Uh, competitive game time there with squad rotation and everything among the Premier League games. Gordon, the the public opinion is swelling towards outcry. So how do you think it will be in September? Is Ben Doak playing himself towards a Scotland squad at breakneck pace here? Or do you think it may still well be closer to next summer before we see him introduced in a dark blue shirt? Um. No, I think I I I am not a betting man, but I would be I would be investing money in Ben Doak being in this in the next Scotland squad. Um simply because I think he I think there were certainly persistent rumors around him potentially being involved in June, obviously with like the there was the training camp and some of the younger guys came along. Um and yeah, I just I think when you see the fact that now he's gone from really impressing in the UEFA Youth League last season, uh, being in and around the first team a little bit, he now seems to be a permanent fixture in that first team at Liverpool. Under a manager like Jurgen Klopp, he got minutes in pre-season. He, like you said, he came off the bench at uh, Stamford Bridge. He's 17 years old. I mean, I remember, so it was March last year, I was in Falkirk watching him absolutely dominate for Scotland's under 17 team as they qualified for the under 17 Euros and the fact that he went from that to then signing for Liverpool to then being a Scotland under 21 international to then playing for Liverpool's first team within 18 months you know he's 17 years old he doesn't doesn't turn 18 until November this year and yeah I see I just I, I just don't see an argument against including him in the first team now unlikely to play unlikely to really to be needed, and again, I, th- I, th- I think this this is what gives me the comfort in, in feeling this way, is that if this was 10 years ago, if this was 15 years ago, people would be looking at Ben Doak and thinking, we need this guy to come in and be our saviour and be our messiah to save our team and lead our team to glory. And that's not what this team is anymore. This team is that good that he can come in, he can do his thing, he can train with the team, he can sit on the bench at Hamden. And if he can come on for 10 minutes, fine, great, good for him. Um, and like we said, we're, we're now approaching a situation where Scotland are on the brink of qualifying automatically for the Euros, so we'll have games 
at the end of a qualifying group that don't matter. So again, what perfect opportunity for Ben Doak to really integrate into the first team ahead of what he might be able to do next summer at the finals. Um, yeah, I'm just phenomenally excited for this young man. I think, again, you see what he can do now against first team adult players. It's the exact same thing he was doing against younger players for Scotland's under 17s. The kind of the drop of the shoulder, the burst of pace, the beating the man, the getting to the byline, the crossing, the passing. It's He's got it all. He's, he's really genuinely got it all. And I'm, yeah, very excited for what he does in a Scotland jersey. Well, Virgil van Dijk says that his first impressions of him in training were that he was like the Tasmanian devil, the cartoon. <laughs> uh, so he's he's got a good reference there from one of the world's best defenders. And I think that we'll we'll probably see Ben Doak exposed to first team football in the Cups for Liverpool this year. I'm, I'm still not sure he'll be thrown into the Premier League fray all too often. Alan, maybe, uh, maybe a couple of starts here or there, depending on how the squad's shaping up maybe off the bench sometimes after European games. I think it will be in the Carabao and the FA Cup um, and maybe even the Europa, and Europa League. League. Europa League. Europa League. Giving a, a shot, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's it. I think you, when, you, when he came off the bench against Chelsea, though, I think that was the signal there of what's going to happen because um, the Athletic put an article out mentioned how many clubs had inquired to get him on loan after seeing him last season, um, which is no surprise. But it also mentioned that Ben Doak, when he arrived at Liverpool, arrived injured. Um, and then he missed out, obviously, playing catch-up through injury. Didn't have a full pre-season. He's had a full pre-season this year. And he's he's bulked up. He's stronger. Um, he's gotten even quicker, which is hard to believe. And when he came off the bench for Salah, he was brought on to maintain and increase the intensity um, and obviously offer that goal threat. And he's doing that for Mo Salah and against Chelsea, and it's one each. I mean, that, that, that's a signal there that this guy's ready to get chucked in in high-pressure, high-intensity games at the top, top level. Um, so I think what we'll see is, like you say, it has to be managed because he's 17. You don't want to burn the guy out. And if you're moving at that kind of pace, um, you've got, you're susceptible to all sort of, sort of lower leg injuries. Um, so they have to sort of manage that load on him. But yeah, there's so many competitions that Liverpool are involved in this season, your Carabao Cups, your Europa Leagues, where... It should be in games that aren't necessarily as finely balanced. Um, and then that means they can play in those, find his feet, gain that sort of... I mean, everyone says the only thing the only thing he's lacking that will come with time is that final ball. Um, I watched a lot of him pre-season, which was just brilliant. Um, between him and Billy Gilmore, they're probably two of my, my favourite players to watch. And just seeing him develop and seeing him, like like Gordon says, just having that like, no fear driving at people. Um, but the only thing being, but then he scored a goal against, I think he scored against Leicester in pre-season. And he, I think he had 10 for the under-21s last year. So he's got it in him. Um, it's just going to be interesting watching how they develop him. But I think for Scotland, we don't. he doesn't have to come in and start right away. I think he just needs to be in the squad. And then if he gets a cameo, brilliant. Um but yeah, there's, that's the thing. There's loads, loads of young guys that we've got who are exciting. Um, and it's going to be, I think now we're at a stage where if we can do something in the next, uh, beat Cyprus, we can start to think about how we how we bleed them in. Because what what happened in June? Did we bring in, we brought in Doak and Hackney and was there someone else that came in, a youth player that joined up for the training camp before? Tommy Conway. Tommy Conway. Fiorini and King. Yeah. Joined up as well. 
Yeah. So we've had we've had young guys come in. So that's obviously the first step, I'd imagine. Um, and then now it's just a case of them sort of cementing it. Well, there's there's certainly a lot of excitement around Doak, understandably. I think it's it's been a while since we had an explosive kind of forward like this coming through at such a young age. I mean, it was different for Gilmore at Chelsea because he's a, a more of a a graceful, relaxed kind of player. He's not someone that would be nicknamed the Tasmanian Devil, for goodness sake. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he does with the opportunities afforded to him at Liverpool this season. A couple of forwards I want to touch on before we move on to the midfield. So, guys, Ryan Hardy, Plymouth yeah. forward. Did well. It was in the mentions. Thanks very much to Glenn Schroeder uh, bringing him to the table. Um, his goal scoring form at Plymouth last season scored 17 as they were uh, crowned League One champions and he started this season in the championship with two and three now Alan you seem quite excited by that prospect so Ryan Hardy um, do you think he could play himself into the periphery of the squad or certainly for consideration for example if Nisbet's in the championship now if Nisbet's not in form would Hardy be worthy of a shout and Clark has shown that he's, he's not shy to the English Championship with guys like Dominic Hyam and and Jacob Brown over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, yeah, you see shown that he brought in Ross Stewart as well. Um, of course. So, yeah. so I think, and if you look at the pathway that Ross Stewart had, I mean, they both guys were in League One together. Mount um, Stewart actually just outscored them. They both had a super high scoring season that year, um, and they've both scored the scored the goals that have got their teams respectively to the championship both hit the ground running, but obviously Stewart's had a, some series of un- unlucky injuries um, recurring that have sort of kept him out. But Hardy's a player who, he's been in the Scotland setup for a while, obviously spent a lot of time at Rangers, uh, time on loan, I think he was most prolific maybe at Rafe Rovers, St Mirren. Um, he, he's well known to the system and he was in the 2017 Toulon tournament, uh, but Scotland finished third uh, and he was playing alongside the likes of Greg Taylor. Um, and uh, I think... Ollie Burke as well. So I mean, he's got he's got experience within the setup under twenty ones. I think he's just a late developer, um, and he's certainly found he, he's not. I think when you see a player step up in in leagues, and you watch them as well, you're in, you're curious to, to step up from League One to the Championship. Um, I mean, we saw like Mikhail Smith um, step up, and he wasn't as prolific, um, and so even Jordan Rhodes of late and stuff. So it's a difficult league to score goals in. But Hardy's made that step up seamlessly. And if you watch his goals, he scores all kinds of goals. It's, he scores in the six-yard box, scoring tappings, outside the box, sort of finding the bottom corner, penalties. Um, he's, he's driving in from the left, from the right. He's, he's just a good striker. So I think that extra striker role, whether that uh, takes up the place that sort of Stewart came in for, as, as you say, Nisbet's not scoring... Shanklin's maybe a more rounded player. It offers more. So yeah, there's that there's that third role behind Dykes and Adams. If those are your first two, um, I don't if they probably are for most people. There is a space there for someone who's scoring. I think Hardy has to be in the conversation. Well, Ross Stewart is due to return from injury at the end of September, so definitely won't be fit for Cyprus and England. Probably won't be fit or included for Spain. And uh, France, 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 isn't it? Spain and France. But for the November games, potentially, if Ross Stewart can hit the ground running like he has the last two times he's returned from a serious injury, then maybe Ross Stewart will find himself back in the squad. Tommy Conway, 
who I think captained the under-21s at the last get-together, uh, is injured at the moment for Bristol City. He's only played 21 minutes so far this season. So, fingers crossed, Conway can return to form. He had a great season last year. I think he scored 12 for Bristol City in the Championship, which is a good return for a young Scott. He is only 21, just literally just turned 21 years old. So, another encouraging striker uh, down south. So, that wraps, wraps up the forward line, lads. Let's move on to midfield. We'll just have a quick update on some of the players that for him nothing really has changed. So John McGinn, captain at Aston Villa this season, scored on the second weekend of the Premier League against Everton. Lovely near post finish. Emery loves him. We've just seen him be part of a Villa side that dismantled Hibs this evening. Emery has called him uh, amazing since the start of the season and the Athletic uh, ran an article on him uh, where he was described as the tireless conductor at the heart of Aston Villa. So strength is strength for John McGinn down there in Birmingham. He's been playing the left of a three at the moment behind the striker. So kind of on the other side that we would traditionally see him for Scotland on the right cutting in. He's doing really well. Callum McGregor at Celtic. Uh, he said that he feels his club are at a bit of a crossroads between squads at the moment. Um, so they've just been knocked out of the cup by Kelly. Guys, are, actually, just just on McGregor. He's, he's not going to leave. He's Celtic's captain. He's 30 now. And another one, really, that just had to rub my eyes at that. Um, are you surprised Callum McGregor has never moved? And I've, I've got no insight until here on whether he has, or the Celtic have been approached, um, have bids been accepted, and he's knocked them back. or, or I have no in, inside info on that at all. But just outside looking in, are you surprised that McGregor has never been lured down south? I think he was approached by Leicester. Um, I think Rodgers uh, came out and said that I think when he moved to Leicester, he inquired about him. Uh, and I, I, I get the feeling that he's just a, he's just a Celtic man through and through. I think he's a guy who's come through the academy and he's just said right away that he's not leaving for anything and he's been offered the appropriate money that's kept him there. That's my mm. that's my feeling about it. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I, th- I think I think w- what's what's fascinating about Cal McGregor is that probably just speaks to just how when he's at his best, he's almost least noticed. You know, I I feel like I feel like in in almost every team he plays in, in whichever era of Celtic team or whichever era of Scotland team is that there's always so many other players that take the limelight and take the applause and he's not an all-action type like John McGinn, he's not going to score goals like Ryan Christie but what he brings to the team is essential and he's one of those guys that you only notice his value when he's missing, Uh, not that he's ever injured, I mean he seems to play every single game possible and just keep going and it's incredible what he's been able to do over the recent years Um, we certainly love him now, he's certainly Scotland fans have very much taken him to heart. Um, it took a wee while for us to realise just how good he was. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think it is surprising that he's maybe not not fancied it. But again, in this in this world that we live in now, the idea of a one club man is is kind of it takes on greater romance. So fair fair play to him. Yeah, well, he's certainly not one that's earmarked to head down south anymore. One person that we probably do expect to see down there at some point would be Lewis Ferguson. He was linked with various moves, some big Italian clubs as well, but they didn't come around this summer. 
So he remains at Bologna, still just 23 years old. He started both their league games this season. Ryan Jack, fit and playing at Rangers. Kenny McLean down at Norwich, he's the vice-captain this season. He's been linked with Leeds, actually. Uh, he's got another two years, yes, yeah, two years on his deal expires in 2025. Um, Leeds are managed by Daniel Farker, now remember, who had McLean at Norwich for, for so long. So clearly a fan there. Um, we have Stuart Armstrong. Is Stuart Armstrong interesting one? Um, there was no no link really when I was doing my research to show that he came close to a move. The only club that kept popping up was Torino, which kind of bypassed me slightly. Um, but he seems to be happy at Southampton now. He's been praised by Russell Martin in pre-season. They were former Scotland teammates back in 2017. Um, but I think one of the reasons that people maybe expected him to move on is because he's apparently best mates with Theo Walcott, who left. He's close pals with James Ward-Prowse, who has now gone to West Ham. And Armstrong has just one year left on his deal. Maybe now would be the time for Southampton to part ways with him if they wanted to get a bit of money. But it seems that he's he's going to stay and play under Russell Martin. I put to you guys that Stuart Armstrong, he's 31 now. He's he's not going to really improve much as a player or a specimen. Is he one of these players that probably falls into the bracket of we want him coming in with confidence, playing for a team that's at the top of the championship, getting plenty of touches of the ball and in a bit of a groove rather than playing for a team that's firefighting at the bottom of the Premier League and not actually doing much attacking themselves, Gordon. Yeah, I would I would I would completely agree with that. Um especially when you consider, you know, the kind of general pecking order of what the Scotland midfield looks like. Stuart Armstrong probably isn't isn't in a starting position just now. So if he is only going to get minutes off the bench, then you 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 need him to come in hot. You need you need him to come in ready to ready to perform. And that's what he can bring when if he's playing in a very successful Southampton team under under Russell Martin, who by the way is is a coach who certainly his reputation is 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 going up and up. He was highly thought of at MK Dons. He's got his big chance now at Southampton. And if he can take them straight back to the Premier League, then the sky could be the limit for him. So it's exciting to see to see a former Scotland international in the, in the in the coaching arena as well. So yeah, no, I'm I'm again similar to Shea. I'm more than happy for Stu to to stay at Southampton. I think it'd be good for him, good for him to stick around for the season, get him back, get him back to the Premier League. Well, what about Scott McTominay? I bet you're not too happy about him potentially staying at Man United because game time has been and I think will continue to be limited for McTominay at Man U, just a couple of minutes across the opening games. Uh, Gary Neville has said publicly that he thinks Eric Ten Hag is trying to manage him out of the club by frustrating him. Newcastle were, were linked for a while, but they seem to have finished their transfer business out. West Ham had a bid knocked back, Alan. I think that was a double bid for him and Harry Maguire, which uh, fell on its arse. Um, Man United seemingly value McTominay at £40 million. I think the the writing's on the wall probably for consistent starts anyway, never mind con- uh, considerable minutes off the bench for McTominay. What now for our main goal scorer? I know, eh? It's, uh, it's some drama that's there. I mean, the, the, thought, the thought of the challenge of a manager trying to manage McTominay out the side, just the kind of character he is just tells me that he would just, he would fight to get back into the squad, not just sit there and take a wage, but he would fight tooth and nail to try and get back in that Man United team because he's, he's just that kind of character. I think with Mason Mount being injured now, it does sort of 
reduce their options. Um, they are in a massive sort of need to sell to generate funds basis. And they've got a couple of players there. Um, I think you've, it's probably going to be Ericsson that will come in to play alongside Casemiro. But Casemiro's not exactly been great in the last couple of games. So it's a question of... Uh, McTominay proved that he, he can play uh, at the level Man United need him to, albeit there's six parts of his game that they don't like. But I, I think I think for Scotland, for McTominay, we, we want him to be playing. If he's not playing... 90 minutes, we can. It's fine. We need him to be match fit, and he'll come in and he'll always fight, and he'll and he'll put himself in positions to score because he McTominay appears to use Scotland as a really good platform to force his way into the Man United squad. Um, he's gone through Baron spells before. He's gotten goals that's forced him back into Man United squad, and he's gone on a run, and then something else has happened. So, I think he starts to see that international window as a it comes in with a point to prove, uh, and he, he knows he gets that chance. Um, but just on on that midfield, it's just uh, you're even just talking about your McGregor's and stuff there. Like the the, the team, the thing is that the necessity for them to be playing games comes from the way we play our football now. We're such a not super high tempo, but the team are so composed and we're such a good passing team that you need everyone to be on it when they step into that team. And if someone comes in having not played in a little while, misplaces a few passes, it causes problems. Um, McTominay is it's an athlete, um, one of the best we've got, and such a fantastic role model. Um, so I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think it will be a massive problem if he does stay and doesn't get as much game time. But I think if he does stay, I can see him forcing his way back into that team. He's that good a player. Is it very much preferable for you, Gordon, that McTominay is allowed to go and explore other horizons rather than the one in Manchester? I think so. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, it, again, it certainly seems like his 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 time at Man U seems to be coming to an end. That that seems to be the mood mood, mood music coming out of Old Trafford, um, which is a shame because I think he's 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 done his best. He's always I think he got a lot of unfair criticism um, in recent seasons. You know when fans would round on the his partnership with with Fred in the middle of the McFred. Axis that always seemed to be the lightning rod for criticism in the team, which I always thought was very unfair. And you, you know, I think obviously this this calendar year you've seen a, a whole new Scott McTominay for Scotland. You know, playing much higher up the pitch, more in line with John McGinn, and we've reaped the rewards from that with the amount of goals he scored for Scotland. Is is, is five goals this year, which has been incredible. I mean, I think certainly for September. Regardless of what's happening at club level, his place in the in the squad and in, and arguably in the starting eleven is probably without question. But looking ahead to that, it, it's a it's a situation that can't continue forever, where he'll continue to play for Scotland and only play for Scotland. I mean, that just it, that's not going to work for us. So yeah, I think I think we need we need we need to see him move on or. If he can force his way back into the team, I think I think Alan's Alan's absolutely spot on. I think I think McTominay's he's often used Scotland camps as almost like his his happy place that he can come to where he plays in a team where he's a pivotal part of the team and we all love him for it and the fans love him. So yeah, I I I just, I'd want him to see him happy at club level as well as international level. A couple of other midfielders, Hayden Hackney, uh, trained with the first team towards the end of last season and had a great campaign at Middlesbrough. He has scored one in three from midfield this season, but Middlesbrough haven't actually started very well. I think they've lost two and drawn one, so really differing 
from how they motored through and almost got promoted last season. Hackney, uh, 90 minutes every game though, he's a pivotal part of that team and has found the net already this season. Liam Henderson, guys, we talked about Empoli earlier with the potential move for Ryan Fraser. Liam Henderson seems to have become uh, more of an, a sub or an impact player for them over to, well, towards the end of last season anyway, and that's continued at the start of this season, albeit we're only one game into Serie A. David Turnbull, maybe a slight resurgence on the cards here for David Turnbull at Celtic. Brendan Rodgers has started the season with him in the team over Rio Hattati, scored some goals. He's in the last year of his deal now, David Turnbull. So I think many people might have expected Celtic to take this window as an opportunity to recoup the money that they spent on him when he arrived from Motherwell a few years ago. Just five caps for Turnbull. Do you think that between now and Christmas, Alan, if if he carries on, there's there's space for him in the Scotland squad? Uh, yeah, I just don't know who you take out now to get him in. Because <laughs> so, that midfield is so stacked. Um, I mean, you're looking at fringe midfielders, but they're not even fringe midfielders. You're guys like Kenny McLean, who's just done so well. Uh, but he's sort of sitting deeper, but tumbles further forward. You're up against Armstrong and McGinn. So it's it's so deep, that squad, that I think he has to be banging them in or someone has to be injured for him to really get in. Because remember, when Turbo first came into the setup, he was brought in for the expanded squad for the Euros. Uh, I think he made it in with Patterson and Gilmore. That was a sort of coming to I don't think he got any mm-hmm. any game time. Um, and yeah, he hasn't really done too much. But if... Uh, yeah, if he, if he keeps scoring, then he has to put himself in a position. But is he ever really going to get in ahead of him again? No. So he's, he's, it's him against Christie, really. Because, I mean, yeah, they've all, we've talked about up front who we've got the competition there. This is such a, we've got such a good squad. Purple hasn't been in a squad since we beat Armenia 4-1, which was last June, I think, wasn't it? Uh, 14, 15 months ago. Now, you're right, Alan. His first cap was against Holland. He, he started that. Um, that's his only start. He said five minutes against Denmark away from home, five minutes against Moldova at home, one minute against Moldova away, and 26 minutes against Armenia at home. Uh, sorry, uh, away from home last June. So Gordon Tumble's not exactly someone that was performing critically for us and fell away because of his form at domestic level, he's just never really been able to work his way into the side. He's not going to leave Celtic, I think, this window. So for him to break into the Scotland setup again now, would he need would he need to be doing it at a frightening level in the Scottish Premiership or impressing in the Champions League to seriously threaten any of the places in the squad that are ahead of him? I mean, I think I think if he can at least if he can at least if he can stay fit stay fit through the season, stay consistent, delivering goals, assists, and contribute to a successful Celtic season in the league and the cups and potentially in 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 Europe as well, that would probably be plenty for me. You know, I think as well you forget he is still only twenty four years old, so compared to some of those midfielders we've been we've been talking about you know he's got he's got 7 years on Stuart Armstrong he's got 6 years on Cal McGregor you know he's got 7 years on Jack and McLean so he is he, he he probably still needs to stay patient he needs to wait his turn but his turn can come could, could come quite quickly you know and a lot of times as we've seen sometimes it's just about being in the right place at the right time to take your chance the same way that as Alan mentioned there that 
no one expected well, no one expected the Euros to be delayed by a year, and then no one expected the squads to be extended by three, which then opened the door to Billy Gilmore getting in the squad. And he wouldn't have as many caps as he did had he not got that opportunity at that right time. So I think the door certainly could open for David Turnbull and and he's got to be there ready to take it when it comes. So I, I think I'd, I'd like to see him in squads. I'd very much like to continue seeing him in squads because I think you always have to keep one eye on the future, not just about who might be playing at Euro 2024, but who might be playing at the World Cup in 2026. And David Turnbull is one of those players. So let's very much keep him around the squad. Last midfielder that we'll come to is Mr. William Gilmore. Now, this could be his season at Brighton, guys. I don't know how much we can read into a changing of a squad number, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, he's been changed from, I think it was at 23, 27 to 11. So that automatically, in my mind, means he's been put up the pecking order, if he's been able to do that. Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo, who play in centre mid, have both left. That creates a natural void that needs filled. He didn't start the first game of the season. Uh, I think he played half an hour against Luton and did well, then started at the weekend against Wolves. Guys, how's how's this for some arithmetic? Uh, he only misplaced one pass out of 70. Which is, I mean, that is good going. Um, so Gilmore seems to be seizing this opportunity that's been thrown his way by Roberto De Zerbe Allen, who has said he has an incredible attitude and an incredible behaviour who has changed a lot since I arrived. Now, it is important to remember that Gilmore has gone through some shit in the last year um, with the girl that ended up getting taken to court for stalking one of his best mates. Um, yeah, the, the, the outlook just looks brighter, really, for, for Gilmore's prospects this season. Whereas the last couple of summers, we've wondered, where's Gilmore going to go? He needs a move, he needs a loan. Not this time. Yeah, um, I think... Uh, as we've seen with Brighton, um, we can talk about Brighton all day and their recruitment, but it, seem, it very much seems to be that their succession planning happens two years in advance. Um, Gilmore was brought in knowing that Caicedo and McAllister were going at some point. And then last season when he came into the squad, um, actually in that game against Wolves last season, um, Caicedo was moved out to right back to facilitate Gilmore in midfield. Uh, and Gilmore had a phenomenal game. Um, might have been mad of the match um, as, as Brighton absolutely romped home in a big win uh, that game against Wolves I watched that at the weekend and it was just levels above now obviously that was Wolves Wolves did look better than they did last season but when you're not missing any passes and the way he was I think the, diff- the biggest thing I saw over the last sort of four months five months with Gilmore in his game is winning the ball back and his, his strength in the tackle. Um, because he, he that was one thing that was weak. He, was, he Obviously, he's grown up as a guy as well. He's still only, what is he, 20, just on 22, is he? 20, 21 still? Um, yep. So, I think he's gotten more physical, which has made a massive difference. And then, yeah, having that whole that time under the Zerbi um, to adjust his sort of tactical game. But he's he was flawless. He, he was breaking up play. And then doing what he does, doing what we've seen him do for Scotland, where he's winning the ball back, but then playing an incredible ball through that just opens up the attack. I mean, you've got someone with the pace of Matoma um, on the left wing. He was releasing him all day uh, into so much space, and Matoma just reaped, reaped the benefits of that. So he's uh, he's shown at Brighton 
that he's been patient. Um, and I think that's what the Deserbi would have been sort of alluding, uh, alluding to as well. He's had to bide his time, but he has. Now his two biggest rivals are gone. Um, and yeah, let's, let's hope, uh, hope, let's hope he gets a full season there. Gordon, we have a message from uh, Kev Ayen and the... You have a message from Kev Ayen and the mention saying, Brighton being in Europe this year should help Gilmore because of the demand on the games. He actually says, same with Doak. Um, can imagine him playing a lot of the Europa. I think that's probably undeniable for Gilmore as well. He seems to have worked his way into the reckoning even for the Premier League and the main event. But the rotation should just give him more and more opportunity, which he's found quite stunted over the last 12 months. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. I think um, what Alan Alan said there about Billy having to be patient is, is, is completely bang on. You know, I think sometimes it's just... It's unfortunate the circumstances where obviously he moves to Brighton and then the manager that signs him goes the other way and goes to the club <laughs> that he just left. Um, you couldn't have scripted that. And and then of course having you know a World Cup winner ahead of you in the team and then Moise Caicedo who's now just broke smashed the Premier League transfer record ahead of you. That is an incredible challenge and he's had to wait them out and now they're gone and he's moved up he's got this the starting 11 uh the, f- the first 11 jersey and yeah he just he just he looks confident he looks confident he looks happy he looks settled um that performance against wolves was absolutely incredible there was the there was the pass that he played through down the channel the sort of pre-assist for the cross in for the goal that went a little bit un, unnoted but that was just such a great way to to get the ball, get on the transition, get in an attacking sense very quickly. Because, you know, I think some people maybe look at Billy Gilmore as being, ah, well, you know, he'll just move the ball side to side and just play kind of boring, safe passes. And and he really doesn't. He, he can be forward-looking. He can be progressive on the ball. Um, what's hilarious is that if you look at the map of his passes against uh, Wolves, the one pass that he didn't complete was about two yards. And that was the only one he didn't he didn't nail. Um, but yeah, look, I'm delighted, delight, couldn't be happier to see Billy really start to nail down his place in that Brighton team, who are just such a good club. I mean, the way the way they recruit, the way they train, the way they, they're coached is just it's an incredible club to be part of. So I think that will only be a good thing for Billy. And the fact they've got their first ever European campaign this this season as well is is great for him. So yeah, I'm delighted for him where he's at right now. And I can't wait to see what he brings to the to the Scotland setup. Moving on to the fullbacks, there's actually really not much to report here. No, nothing really has changed. We have Aaron Hickey, still only 21. Uh, doing good things at Brentford. He has started as the first choice right back there of a four. So an exciting season ahead for him, who I think could be, they were great last season, Brentford ninth, I think they finished. Uh, could uh, even go higher than that this term if they crack on the way they are. Um, the, the Sun actually say that Pep Guardiola is a not-so-secret admirer, admirer of Aaron Hickey, which could be interesting down the line. But Brentford said, not for sale this summer. Uh, in his position as well, and probably the man he's fending off at the moment from being Scotland's right-back is Nathan Patterson, who has started as Everton's first-choice right-back in both of their defeats in the league so far this season. He, he injured his hamstring just before the end of last season uh, against Wales, but he's come back. He has bulked up. He's put on five kilos over the uh, over the summer. Um, he hasn't started for Scotland uh, since last September, the game where we thumped Ukraine at Hamden. He was taken off injured in that game. Um, so 
it's been a while since we've seen Patterson able to exert himself for us. Uh, Nathan, uh, sorry, Calvin Ramsey has gone to Preston on loan, but he's just injured now for eight weeks. He's missed the first three games as well, so no appearances yet for Calvin Ramsey at Preston. One to keep an eye on. He's only a year younger than Hickey and Patterson. It feels like there should be a much bigger disparity between them, but just a year. Um, so yeah, one to keep an eye on Ramsey. Uh, Ross McCrory's gone down to Bristol City, hasn't played yet. Someone actually said, uh, Mr. Uh, yeah, Fergus B. Chief again said, uh, Ross McCrory's length of absence with a vague sickness is troubling. I have to confess, don't know anything about that and couldn't find anything either. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Ralston um, is back in the Celtic team at the moment. That's because Alistair Johnson is injured, I think. Um, he hasn't played this year, Ralston, for Scotland, but he played in the Nations League last year. Over on the left-hand side, Andy Robertson is in amazing form for Scotland and just rolling on, as usual, as at Liverpool. 90 minutes, first two games of the season. Greg Taylor is almost unchallenged at the moment at Celtic for the left-back position. Doesn't really feel under any threat from uh, threat from Bernabe for that. Uh, so I think we can expect Greg Taylor to continue uh, in that sense. Uh, Josh Doig in Verona uh, played 1-1-1 one, one, one for his team against Empoli, Liam Henderson's Empoli. So we'll see how Josh Doig does. Someone actually put in the mentions, could he eventually take over Greg Taylor as the deputy for uh, Andy Robertson if he continues performing well in Serie A. I think the one thing that I do know is that Steve Clark likes having Greg Taylor around. Um, he's, he's a very good player, but also just values him around the squad. And also Greg Taylor and Keaton Tierney are very, very close. And I think that is a, a, a nice thing for them to have around the squad as well. Uh, now that really sums up the fullbacks and the reason that I didn't list the boy that I've just mentioned Keaton Tierney is because he's not a fullback for us he is a centre back so let's move on to them now and let's start with Tierney I think that this is the crux of this podcast guys Kieran Tierney what next for who a player that only a few years ago I said would walk into any team in Europe now he currently can't even get on Arsenal's bench so this is troubling, uh, no two ways about it. There's been links to Newcastle, which haven't come off. They've just signed Lewis Hall from Chelsea, alone with an obligation to buy. He's a young left-back, so that takes care of that. He's been linked with Real Sociedad, who seemingly seemingly are only interested in a loan without an obligation to buy. Arsenal want him off the wage bill, so an obligation to buy seems mandatory from their point of view. Gordon Tierney, I think, we can all say it's far too good to be sitting on a bench, never mind the stands. He's got a week or so to sort out his season here. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly worrying situation for for Kieran at Arsenal right now. Um, obviously, circumstances can always change and will change. I mean, obviously, they brought in Julian Timber, who looked incredible in pre-season and then did his ACL on day one of the Premier League. So he's out for the season um, Tommy Asu obviously came in uh, on Monday Night Football against Crystal Palace and got red carded so he'll be banned so uh, maybe does that pry the door open a bit but then you think Zinchenko is, is apparently due back from due back to fitness imminently so then it'll likely be Zinchenko starting at left back so yeah I think there's there's enough signs of, there's enough writing on the wall to think that Kieran, Kieran Tierney doesn't have a future at Arsenal, which is, I think, is a desperate shame because I think he's been very good for them when he's played. Um, and it seems like whenever he comes off the bench, 
Arsenal fans rave about how good he is and think, why is he not getting more minutes? But only Mikel Arteta could 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 tell you that. So I think what's what's troubling a little bit is that I just I, I don't see I don't hear many stories about teams being linked with him other than the, the two you've mentioned, but both seemed fairly tepid leads and then sort of fizzled. Um, there was obviously a bit of rumour when when Brendan Rodgers went back to Celtic that Celtic could look to take him, but again, the investment, I mean, the, the amount of money that Arsenal would look from a transfer fee and then the wages that he's on, that might well be prohibitive for Celtic, where they are right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's incredibly worrying. I mean, Kieran Tierney is phenomenal for Scotland whenever he plays, no matter what he's doing at club level, but he needs to have a team. He needs to be playing football. And uh, yeah, I, I just I worry about him, but he'll be okay. But he just he just he needs a move. Really needs a move. Yeah, Alan Michael Grantham is in the mention saying Tierney needs a move for the benefits of his club career. Although getting small minutes here and there may not be detrimental to his Scotland career, we've seen that over the years. But at the moment, just not sure where those minutes are going to come from for Tierney because if he's not even on the bench for the the Premier League, I'm not sure it'll be part of the rotation for the Champions League. It may be cup games at best. It's incredibly worrying with Tommy Asu and Zinchenko uh, both fit because Arteta seems to prefer both of them. Uh, Tartan Army 2803 says KT desperately needs a move but poses the important question, where to? Alan, where is Kieran Tierney going to go? Because as Gordon says, there doesn't seem to be publicly anyway a queue of clubs lining up desperate to take him off Arsenal's hands. Uh, I really hope it's Sociedad. Um, I would like to see him uh, in La Liga. I think the style of football there would work for him. Um, I've just read there that it looks like Arsenal forcing the sell um, sort of a, a buy um, rather than the loan deal, um, which is obviously just a, a sort of rash way to make money quickly. But it now appears that no one's going to pay the money they want for Tierney. So they're actually looking at um, a loan with an obligation to buy, which opens the door back up for the clubs that can afford it. Um, and it looks like Sociedad are one of the best placed ones with the, that recurring interest. So I think if that does go through, that'd be brilliant. Um, it's awful. It feels like maltreatment, what's happening to him there. He's for such a good player. And you see all the photos of him. I mean, we all know how good a player and how good a role model he is. Um, and how great he's been for Arsenal and to not even get lookings in the squad um, and I think the conversation he mentioned he had with uh, Arteta last year where he obviously mentioned it wasn't down to his uh, it was a footballing reason it wasn't anything down to something we'd done or a performance or anything like that and you're thinking it's literally there's no way for him to get back on that side uh, it's purely down to this whole inverted fullback thing that Arsenal play um, that they seem to can't train it into tyranny Um so yeah, now for for the good of everyone and um, for his supporters and his sell, hopefully that uh, that move to Sociedad comes through. Um, I'd like him to move away from England, um, Serie A or La Liga, something something exotic. Yeah, well, I, he's good enough to go anywhere. I stand by that. I, I think, and, and he's I don't think he has an inverted fullback. He, he is what we saw against Spain. That yeah. is that is Kieran Tierney really wrapped up in five seconds of explosiveness. Like that is what we love about him. I don't think he is the inverted fullback that Arsenal would prefer him to be if possible. So, yeah, um, we'll keep a close eye on that. But it's, it's going to be nervy though because yeah, just about a week to go of the of the window. Hopefully, a team um, recognises what he could bring to them, and 
we'll see him go and flourish somewhere else for the season now. Other centre-backs for Scotland that have had a change of circumstance, uh, well, sorry, that haven't had a change of circumstance um, as of yet. Grant Hanley, still at Norwich. Uh, Achilles surgery in April. Uh, he is months rather than weeks away from a return, so I don't think we'll see Hanley for a wee while. McKenna missed the end of last season for Nottingham Forest. Uh, but he has started the first two for them this season, so that's good news about Scott McKenna still cracking on the Premier League. Liam Cooper may not come as a great surprise, is out for two months with a foot injury. He's 32 at the end of this month. Uh, I think he's a valued member of the squad. Um, you, you hear the boys talking uh, very highly of him, especially against Spain. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Norway. When he came off the bench against Norway, apparently he was one of the more vocal players on the park as Scotland searched for a, a way back into the game. Uh, but he's now out uh, for two months, Liam Cooper, so we won't be seeing him against Cyprus or England. Uh, Porteous has started the season with Watford. They won one, drawn one, lost one. I think Porteous has moved potential, not this window, but has moved potential um, to a higher level at some point over the next uh, couple of seasons. Dominic Hyam, uh, pretty pretty similar situation. He's played every game for Blackburn since the season got underway. They have also won one, drawn one and lost one. Uh, John Suter, he is in the mentions from uh, Callum Brown. Callum Brown of BN Sports fame. Uh, he's 27 in September, John Suter, but he's fit and he's played 90 minutes for five games in a row. Feels like it's been ages since we could say that really I know he came into the Rangers team at the end of last season but um, he's had such bad ankle trouble um, and he's only had six caps but I fit John Suter um, is probably going to find himself in the Scotland squad in a couple of weeks time or in a week's time Gordon yeah absolutely and rightly so you know an- another player that we, we certainly we've had worries about and concerns just simply because we've Wanted to see him do well. Um, obviously, he had the tragic situation where he, he lost his brother. I think it was about this time last year. Uh, and then obviously started the new season at Rangers and and didn't do particularly well and then dropped out of the squad and struggled to get back in. So to see him fit, healthy, happy, playing football, playing in Rangers first team every week is is great to see, um, including in obviously Champions League qualifiers. So He'll be testing himself at an incredibly high level uh, for Rangers. So, yeah, Suter, delighted to see him do well. Porteous, another one, obviously just had his first pre-season at Watford and continues to be first-choice centre-back there. So, excited to see him develop, get a full season in the Championship. Um, and yet, McKenna, McKenna as well. Good good to see him back and and fit, playing for Nottingham Forest every week. So, fully expect him to be in. Um, a shame, obviously, for... For, for Grant Hanley and Liam Cooper, like you said, they're fairly nasty injuries that they've got. But I think we're fortunate enough to now be in a place where we've got quite a few really decent options at centre-back. So, yeah, I think this squad will be will be okay next week. One of those decent options and a reliable guy for Scotland is Jack Hendry, who has gone to Saudi. So Al Etifak are now his club, no longer Club Bruges no longer Cremonese as he was on loan last season. He's now a teammate of Moussa Dembele and Jordan Henderson and he started at centre-back in the first couple of games uh, since he moved to Saudi. I think maybe a year ago, guys, this would probably have turned into a discussion about whether that means he still merits a place in the Scotland squad or not. Does that still stand for you 
Alan, when you hear the roll call of names I'm about to put your way. Karim Benzema, Riyad Mahrez, Sadio Mane, N'Golo Kante, Neymar, Fabinho, Marcelo Brozovic, Roberto Firmino, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Fabinho, Koulibaly. Uh, he will play against all of them this season. So moving to the Saudi Pro League is not the signature on the international football death certificate that it may have been perceived to be recently? No. Um, I I think it's difficult. I think also you missed out Jota's name on that list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with all, this, all the talk about him coming, coming back to the UK after his contract apparently being ripped up and uh, paid off. But yeah, I think um, in terms of quality of opposition, uh, the the clubs there regularly perform well in the Asian Champions League. So they're at a good level. They're obviously the they, he was playing against Manny um very recently, I think Manny scored, but uh they're un, unbeaten um in the last couple of games. So I think if he's getting ninety minutes every game, that's more than he's been getting recently. Um I, to be honest, I don't know enough about the league in terms of the overall quality, but I can imagine it's at the very least on par with the Belgian Pro League. So he's, I don't think he's going to be impacted. I think if he's out there, if he's fit, um, and I think that all the clubs, as far as I'm aware, do have great infrastructure in terms of player recovery and maintain that performance. Playing in those temperatures as well, coming back to play in Europe, in theory, should be have an even better engine um, with that sort of drop in temperature. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's not going to do him any harm. Yeah, like you say, maybe a year ago, I think it, possibly more people would have been questioning it. Gordon, where do you stand on this from a footballing sense only? The prospects that I moved to Saudi, uh, or the, the impact that I moved to Saudi will have on Jack Henry's international credentials, is that a non-starter these days? Yeah, I think especially in the context of of Steve Clark, and we know that Steve Clark is is loyal to players that he he really likes and really likes to have around the team. And Jack Hendry certainly become that. He's become a very consistent, reliable performer for Scotland. And yeah, look, just purely from a football perspective, as you said, when you think about the fact that he's going to be going up against players like Manny and Neymar and Roberto Firmino, I think was probably one of the other ones. You didn't get a name check there. I mean. If he is defending against those players, that those are Champions League level players that he's going to be playing week in, week out in Saudi Arabia. So that can only be a good thing for him from an international perspective. So yeah, I I don't see this impacting his chances for Scotland in the slightest. Uh, I think he'll continue as long as he's playing, as long as he's playing regularly for Al Ittifak over there. Uh, yeah, I think I think he'll absolutely continue to to play for Scotland, no doubt. Having a look through the keepers, guys, there's probably only one person that merits a few minutes over time. I'll glance over Angus Gunn, a new manager in Russell Martin at Southampton. Two wins and a draw to start the season for them. Six goals conceded. That was out there, a cracking game against Norwich, four each. Um, but they've started the season pretty well. Uh, Liam Kelly, Motherwell captain again this season, still only 27 years old, probably will remain in the squad as uh, at most second choice. Uh, Xander Clark, we'll see what happens 
when Craig Gordon becomes fit again because Xander Clark is the Hearts goalkeeper at the moment. He's fit, he's playing, but Craig Gordon um, has publicly targeted the Euros next summer. Should we make them? Let's let's caveat that. Um, but he didn't put a date on his return. He was interviewed by Brian McLaughlin from BBC after the home game against Rosenborg uh, or during the home game against Rosenborg on Thursday. Brian tried his best to get a really bit of clarity on when he'll return, um, but he didn't get drawn into it. Craig Gordon he just said he's you know classic, taking every day as it comes in the training pitch, all that um, stuff. So hopefully Craig Gordon will be back in the next few months and we'll see him uh, playing first-team football again uh, and hopefully back in the Scotland squad. Whether he then takes the gloves off and his gun is another matter. Guys, I want to talk about Robbie McCrory. Uh, we've spoken about him quite a lot on the podcast. What now for McCrory? It, it felt like this would be the season he'd be trusted with the number one Jersey Rangers. He did well when he came in at the start of the season two years ago kept a couple of clean sheets. He did well when he came into the team at the end of the season just there, kept numerous clean sheets. But Rangers have opted to go and get Jack Butland, an experienced keeper, only 30 years old, which is young as far as keepers are concerned. This ha- it's, it's not going to happen for, for McCrory at Rangers. I think we can, we can see that now, Alan. So why is he still there? It's surely... Rangers would rather cash in on a, an academy product and make some money on him because he's, he's signed a contract, I think, until 25 or 26. And there must be a burning desire to to go and play and be appreciated and valued, Alan, because he's shown Rangers that he he can perform. He's kept clean sheets in an old firm, for goodness sake. So it must be inc- incredibly frustrating for him. Yeah, you can only imagine so. I mean, that's exactly what you've said there. He's, he's played in old firm games and played to a high, comfortable level and looked every part that a liable goalkeeper that a club late Rangers could want. And they've gone and got Jack Butland. So, I mean, the only thing I can think that he's staying, or well, the only reason I can think of him staying there is Jack Butland, when he arrived at Rangers, his injury record was, was sort of mooted. Um, he hadn't played a whole lot of football in the last few years. So, is it perhaps that McCrory's sitting there thinking, well, he's probably going to get injured again. I'll get my chances. And obviously, he's definitely second in line as opposed to third. There's maybe that thought process. Um, but yeah, every part of you thinks you're... Scotland goalkeepers, yeah, guns just come in and sort of made the shirt his own. But until then, it was sort of open season for anyone to come in and try and get on in the squad as a sort of third choice Scotland keeper um, with particularly any young guy sort of your Slickers or your McCrory's sort of mooted as the, the guys to come in and do it but um, he's getting older now he's 24, 25 um, yeah 25 yeah so I mean as you say it is yeah he's young for a keeper he's, he's still got plenty of time but you, now's the time you need to make the move um, I don't know where he would go I mean even I mean, he's probably better than the Hibs. Um, Marshall's, obviously, you've seen the way Marshall's been playing for Hibs. He's definitely in his last season, if not his last couple. Um, but I think he's a he's a good keeper, McCrory, and we've not seen him make any mistakes. So uh, I would like to I would like to see him make that move and step up. I wonder, though, that for, for example, okay, he signed that new contract at Rangers, which is where I think that this complicates matters because 
Connor Hazard that played a handful of games for Celtic a few seasons ago during the COVID era, I think, uh, left on a free this summer and has gone to Plymouth Argyle, funnily enough, after talking about Ryan Hardy. And he's their first choice keeper now. I can imagine, Gordon, that if Robbie McCrory hadn't signed that new deal, then he could have gone to a club of that level or standing in English Championship and gone and established himself as a number one this season. But having committed to Rangers for such a length of time, it it really takes the ball completely out of out of his court with regards to a move. Yeah, it does. It does, and it's it's just such a it's such a strange situation because I think there was certainly the plan certainly from within Rangers was that the the ascension would 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 take place when McGregor finally hung up the gloves. Robbie McCrory would be the one waiting to take that Rangers number one jersey. That at a certain point in time, that absolutely was the plan for the club. Whatever has happened internally, externally, that plan has clearly changed. Um, obviously, with Butland coming in this summer and goalkeeper is just it's always such a difficult position because you 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 can only have one on the pitch they rarely get substituted and when you've got a number one again you rarely change them week to week as you would do with basically any other position on the pitch so it's such a difficult career path to get on if you're not on that ladder it's hard to get on the ladder and especially when you look at the circumstances around around the Scotland jersey in the, in the last nine months where coming into this year, at, at New Year, when Craig Gordon broke his leg, we didn't know who was going to be Scotland number one. We had no idea. And the, the, the jersey was completely up for grabs. And unfortunately, McCrory, for all those reasons, wasn't in the conversation for that. And now Angus Gunn's come in and now Angus Gunn has the jersey and Angus Gunn's only 27 years old. So he could well be Scotland goalkeeper for a very long time. But you look at where McCrory is right now and it's hard to even make an argument for him being third choice keeper in the squad. So it's, yeah, I mean, you want you want to see him, you want to see him move on. You want to see him play first team football before he could even start to think about getting in the Scotland squad because he was very much a promising young goalkeeper that we hoped a lot of and it, for whatever reason it just hasn't happened for him yet but we know how long I mean Craig Gordon's 40 years old and could still pull on the gloves again so it's a long old career so he's got time on his side but he needs to find something quickly Speaking of promising young keepers we'll round off with this 16 year old goalkeeper Callan McKenna now, just the, the point proven by McCrody there you rarely see goalkeepers given a chance maybe before they're 20 one or two. So for a 16-year-old to be starting for Queen's Park for four games in a row in the Scottish Championship is really quite the feat. He got his first clean sheet at the weekend. Alan, we've seen his name on Twitter being linked with the likes of Arsenal and, and Man City. Let's not um, get way too ahead of ourselves <laughs> here. 16 years old, though, playing first-team yeah. football is, for a goalkeeper, it just feels a bit different. Oh yeah, he's like a, it's like a a Donnarumma, you know. What I mean, these guys like you talk about just building, getting your appearances in early, um, going down the leagues. I think he started in Celtic's youth, um, and he's now sixteen years old, man. He's just, and then they they beat Inverness Cup finalist two one. He's playing in games against clubs of of that kind of caliber, um, and I think that just as a testament to. Like Queen's Park, I think they started a few players under 21, just getting youth guys regular game time um, and building that confidence up. And I think that's what you're seeing with so much of our squad now getting games earlier. 
Um, Ramsey, obviously getting a full season at Aberdeen before he went away. Um, and then obviously I think you're seeing Doak now at that age um, getting thrust in and getting trusted. So I think we're, we're getting more and more of these players coming through for Scotland. It's not it's not luck. It's part of the system of change that we've sort of had over the last decade. And uh, yeah, we're it's an exciting time. I think we've, we've now, the way you've spoken about it and all the players you've brought up, we've got quite a deep squad with very few problem areas, um, especially since we've started out as number one issue with gun coming in. Do you want Absolutely. to? Do you want? Do you want to hear something that will make you feel physically unwell? <laughs> so, Callan McKenna, the goalkeeper at Queens Park, when Gary Caldwell was scoring the winning goal for France for Scotland against France at Hamden, seventh of October, two thousand six, Callan McKenna was not born. He was born <laughs> in December two thousand six. That is Ill. disgusting. Uh. <laughs> You know, I, I, Alan, I think you're the same age as me, give or take uh, a month or two, a few months. Yeah. You, you don't say things like that, Gordon, to a man that's about <laughs> 30. And well, is, is, is suffering from somewhat of a an internal meltdown as it is. We've all been there. We've all been there. But don't worry, we'll be in our 30s soon. <laughs> is, the fact. is the fact. In our 30s is the fact. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the, ne- the next time that we get one of these sorted, we'll, we'll know who's in the squad for the Cyprus game. Just a reminder, guys, I, I'll bring it up again and again. Uh, we, we've we learned as Scots over the years not to let go of hope. Um, and it, it looks like we're going to make it this time uh, without the need for the Nations League. And we're going we're gonna to qualify from an actual group stage. It looks that way. So... There is a chance here, if you allow me the perfect scenario, Gordon, I think you've actually painted this picture for me in the summer, that we could find out during the game against England that we've made it uh, based on the result between Georgia and Norway. If they draw, but if, if if you assume that we beat Cyprus and Georgia lose to Spain at the start of yep. September, we could then beat England in a friendly and find out that we have qualified for the Euros on, on that night if Norway and Georgia were to draw against each other, can can we just allow ourselves to bask in that possibility for a second, please? That just I cannot imagine a sweeter climax, really, at all. Than, which than is not which, which again I get which again that that is not an unreasonable proposition. You know the idea yeah. that you know we 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 have played both Georgia and Norway. We know they're both decent sides, so the fact that they might cancel each other out. That's not out with the realms of possibility in the slightest. I think I think that's actually quite a realistic scenario. There's, the, I, I never, and again, I'm just completely allowing myself to to dream here. I, I never thought that the the three minutes we had with Griffiths against England could be topped in a football stadium ever. But there's a very real chance here that if we take the lead against England pretty late on, and then find out very shortly after that that Norway and Georgia finished as a draw. That that surely could wipe wipe, God, that, wipe that out. I mean, I feel it. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's a tantalising prospect. I, I look, it, it may well not pan out that way. Yeah. Uh, but but there's there's a chance of it, guys. So I mean, yeah. we, we cling on to that. Um, and yes, and, 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 and especially like I'll tell you, I'll tell you my my realistic dream scenario here is then 
the thing that I'm weirdly excited about is watching the draw for the group stage and actually having Scotland be properly in that draw because the last two major finals, Scotland have been there but not been there. Because mm. for Euro 2020, it was playoff winner C. And you look at that and think, oh, well, that would be us if we qualify, but we didn't yeah. know if we've qualified yet. Same thing for the for the World Cup last year when it was uh, our playoff was postponed and it was Wales or Ukraine or Scotland will go in this group. And again, you watch it, it's exciting, but it's not exciting because we're not actually there. So the idea of actually having a little ball with a little Scotland flag inside it <laughs> and we're properly in the draw and then you've got eight or nine months to plan ahead where we're going to be, you know, where the fixtures are going to be, where the stadiums are, where the travel, etc. That is just so exciting. That's what really gets me excited. <laughs> well, look, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Hopefully we'll continue to see the engagement and the listener numbers grow with the team continuing to improve on the park. I've noticed uh, an increase in it, so I appreciate everybody giving the pod a chance. Uh, you, you may notice that I, I'm, I'm not too big on, on Twitter, so uh, I, I don't really spend too much time on it, apart from the moments when a pod is about to be done or has just been done. So uh, I'd appreciate if any of the listeners could take a moment to, to subscribe or to rate the pod online. That can always help uh, boost uh, the amount of engagement and communication we get with, with you guys that listen. So, yeah, thanks very much for tuning in. Alan and Gordon, it's been a pleasure. And next time we chat, it'll be just over a week from now. The squad's coming out on Monday, is that right? Monday, Tuesday, at the start of next week, maybe the 29th of August. We'll do the usual. We'll review the squad announcement. Not immediately. We'll wait for injury pullouts and stuff. Probably at the start of week commencing 4th of September. And then we have Cyprus and then England just a couple of days after that. So exciting time again. Can't wait for the squad to get back together. Thanks very much for listening and we'll do another in a couple of weeks' time. Sports Social Podcast Network.